Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by our oldest and dearest sponsor. You never forget your first love. And in fact, I have a cup of their delicious coffee with me right now because I needed a, a boost before today's show. And that, of course, is Lorenzotti Coffee. And if you go to Lorenzotti.coffee and you use my promo code FICTION so they know that I sent you, you'll get 10% off your order and they will deliver premium Italian coffee and premium coffee brewing supplies right to your door. That is Lorenzotti, L-O-R, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I, dot coffee, promo code FICTION for 10% off, and if you order two tins of coffee, you'll get free shipping. It doesn't get much better than that. There's no reason to go to Starbucks or one of these other conglomerates, the Dunkin' Donuts that they have on, on every corner here in Chicago. Stand in some socially distanced line with a mask on. Risk getting the devastating coronavirus. Why go through all that trouble when you can just have it delivered right to your door? The Italian coffee that we all long for and that none of us can go get now from Italy because of this coronavirus pandemic. So go to lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, and get yourself some premium Italian coffee today. It tastes like freedom. And now I'm ready to start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. Of course, I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, the one and only, broadcasting once again deep behind enemy lines from the Windy City on a lovely Thursday evening. I was just out on my balcony for about an hour, hour and a half or so. Getting some sun, some much-needed sun, and there's a nice breeze today. It really is important to have some outdoor space <laughs> when you live in the city. You know, just hanging out there. I was, I was doing some show prep, reading some articles, scanning the web for things to talk about while I sunned myself a while. It was, it was nice. It was a nice little relaxing break after a long day of work. And now the work continues because the show must go on, right? And I just want to give a big thank you to all you listeners out there for tuning in once again. And for those of you new listeners not familiar with the show, we generally talk about politics and current events and some economics, always from a libertarian point of view. I personally am an anarcho-capitalist for many reasons, but mostly just because the state is evil and it must be destroyed. <laughs> But anyway, I hope you all are having a nice Thursday, getting ready for the, the long weekend. We got Labor Day on Monday. You know, I've been trying to come up with some other show topics to talk about because I'm getting really bored with everything. You know, the news just seems to be the same every day. It's either coronavirus stuff or riot stuff or... Uh, you know, election stuff, and I'm getting a little sick of talking about the same things over and over again. I do try to, you know, mix in some other topics or, or, or look at things from different angles and try to give uh, some unique perspective on things. So what I'm thinking about doing for Monday's episode, I will talk a little bit about Labor Day and give my thoughts on that. But what I want to do and I'm actually going out of town on Sunday, I think, for the day. Not not like far out of town. I'm just, I'm going down to, well, I guess not down, but I'm going to McHenry, Illinois. A friend of mine and his girlfriend, her, uh, her, her dad lives up there. He's got a little lake house that we're going to go uh, hang out at for the day. 
trying to talk my one buddy, which actually I got to check in with him, trying to get my other buddy to hitch up his Boston Whaler. We'll drive that down and drop it in the lake somewhere and have a, have a nice day out on the water. Coronavirus be damned. As you guys all know, I have decided to, uh, long ago, to live my life as if this pandemic is not going on and I'm not going to live a life of fear. And I've been trying to find things to do that are a little more active that I don't you know normally do. Like last night I, I met up with um, actually the, the couple that I'm going to McHenry with. Really good friend of mine, known him for close to 30 years now. You know, they, were, they were having dinner and I rolled by there was like a $20 a bottle of wine special going on. So we threw back some of those. And it's fun, you know, but you just just sitting around and, and drinking. I feel like I've been doing way too much of that. And my liver would probably concur <laughs> with that assessment. So uh, I'm trying to be a little more active and do some things that I don't normally do. And I haven't been uh, up to McHenry in a while. So that should be pretty fun. And Saturday, another buddy of mine was talking about going paintballing, which I haven't done since like college. So that could be fun. I don't know if, if that's going to happen or not, or if we're just going to get together and bet on some ponies because we got the Derby, the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. And, you know, it's been a while since I've gambled and lost some money. So I'm due, I'm due to throw some money down the toilet. Might as well do that on Saturday if if the paintballing thing doesn't happen. But I think I thought paintballing would be fun and I the last time I did it I had a blast. It would be something different. It would be something active which would make me feel a little bit better about myself. Not that we wouldn't be drinking and paintballing, but <laughs> but at least I I'd be moving around a little bit, getting some exercise. You know, it's been tough to maintain my, you know, physical specimen physique throughout the last six months or so because my gym's been closed. I do have a, a couple, you know, 30 pound dumbbells that I've been doing, you know, prison workout stuff with to, to maintain. But um, I, yeah, I'm running pretty lean and mean these days. I'm in pretty good shape. I'd like to bulk up a little bit. Put on, uh, put on a little more muscle mass, but I, I, I can't do that because I can't really, you know, I can't bench, I can't go do leg presses or anything like that. So I'm really just trying to maintain what I got until I can get into a gym. And this was uh, last night when I, I met up with my friend for some drinks. It was the first time they'd seen me since I'd been back from Mexico, and they were they were a little taken aback with my new look because I haven't shaved in a while. I do have a, a full beard now. I did trim it because it was getting pretty long and I haven't had a haircut in a really long time. So I got the long locks going and a, a pretty uh, respectable beard and it was well received there. Uh, the people are taking a liking to the new me. <laughs> it's a look that's quite frankly, a little too good for Chicago. So I have decided that I am going to head back down South of the border back to PV um, I do have some family stuff going on in a couple weeks for my older sister's birthday. I might try to combine it with mine since mine's like 10 days later. After that, I'm going to go back down to Mexico until probably Thanksgiving. I will be moving it, my whole setup down there so that the the podcast won't suffer. I, I will, uh, I'll check a bag so that I can bring all my equipment down. And I actually also just got a, uh, a webcam that I think I'm going to start doing maybe some, I don't know if I'll do live stream because I'm just technologically illiterate, but I think I'll, I'll probably do some recordings from down there that, that I think will be pretty cool because I'm, right I'm right on the beach there with a great view and it, it could be kind of cool to just do like some short YouTube videos or something to throw up on the channel, it, you know, like 10, 15 minute things where I'm just, you know, ranting and raving about whatever topic is on my mind that day. So that is going to be the plan for the next couple of months, barring some, you know, I have some uh, personal stuff that I have to tend to next week. And if that goes according to plan, I will be down in Mexico, I think, for the foreseeable future. It's going to be a much better place for me. You're going to have a happier Johnny the Gentile broadcasting from down there. I was supposed to go to Savannah back in March for, uh, you know, with some, um, with some buddies of mine that I played, you know, softball and, and football with. They, they were organized. They organized like a guy's trip every year or whatever. And I actually hadn't been on it with them 
even though they invited me every year. And that, of course, this was the year I was going to go and that, you know, got canceled because of COVID. But the airline somehow screwed up and they they credited me for that flight, which was like, I don't know, like two, three hundred dollars. I forget what it was. And then on top of that, something got mixed up with the flight and they credited me for a business class flight from like San Francisco to New Jersey. So they gave me like another $1,500 in flight credits. And I think I'm just going to uh, like fly some of my friends down every once in a while to Mexico. I don't know if my one buddy is going to go with me. I think he is. I know. And I got an, another friend that uh, the one who, who wants to go paintballing, he's going to come down for a, a week or two. But, you know, if they if they want to stay the whole time, they can. That's great. I got I got the space. It's a three bedroom, three bath. So uh, plenty of plenty of space for all of us. But if not, you know, I think I'm just going to be flying people down to come hang out if they want to get away for a long weekend or something and just use some of those flight credits because I don't have much else to do. You know, I, I, I don't have anywhere else to really fly to this year. Figure why the hell not? You know, that could be fun. Maybe. Ooh. Would this is that too weird to to raffle off a, a flight to a, a fan of the show? That might be a little too fucking crazy. Uh, that that uh, thought just popped into my mind. Maybe fly a, a listener down for a long weekend or something. If somebody wants to come down and hang out and PV, that could be <laughs> that could be interesting. Uh, an autistic libertarian hanging out uh, down in PV, uh, possibly kill me. I wonder what the stakes would be, how I would determine that, what what I would make you guys do, what sort of hoops I would make you jump through to come down for an all-expense-paid trip down to hang out with me in PV. You'd have to do something pretty special, although maybe that should be Justin's reward for doing all the fucking YouTube stuff. Hmm. Maybe I'll put it to a vote on the private Facebook group. Oh, that was, <laughs> I just realized that that was my original announcement for Monday's show. I got really sidetracked there on like a fucking 10 minute tangent. So Monday's show, what I want to do is I'm going to post to the, the private Facebook group. And if you're not already a member of the private Facebook group and thousands of you are not, you need to go find the Pedaling Fiction podcast, private Facebook group and join it and i'm going to post like an ask me anything kind of thing you know ask me any question that you want answered on monday's show and i will sift through those to get some topics to talk about i i don't want you guys to suggest topics i want you to ask like a specific question that you want me to deal with something that you're you're interested in or whatever so i'm going to post that to the private facebook group probably right after this episode if i remember if not it'll be friday and then you guys will have the weekend to post in there so make sure you go join the private facebook group so that you can have some input for monday's episode and then assuming i i make it back in one piece from McHenry, i, I should be on a normal schedule for monday and that that'll just be monday's show and that'll help me out won't have to do much show prep for that or anything like that i could just kind of wing it could be kind of fun get get you guys involved in the show a little more all right, so I think that's pretty much all I have as far as uh, announcements go and updates with me. I'm getting, I'm already pretty excited that uh, I'm not going to be in Chicago for the next couple of months. <laughs> um, so what, what are we going to talk today uh, about today on the show? There wasn't a whole lot that really grabbed my attention in, in the news the last couple of days, with the exception of this this thing that I tweeted about uh, the other day, which is probably Tuesday when this this came out, maybe. And that's the, the CDC report that came out. And uh, I'm reading from analyzingamerica.org right now. And at the Center for Disease Control quietly released information showing how many people died from coronavirus with underlying health issues, according to NBC25. The CDC said that Table 3 shows the type of health conditions and contributing causes mentioned in conjunction with deaths involving coronavirus disease 2019. For 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. 6%. That's it. That's what we destroyed the entire world for. 
That's what puts your favorite restaurant out of business. That's why you lost your job. That's why you have to wear a mask everywhere. That's why you can't go out and have any fun. You can't live your life. That's why we, we sacrificed six months of time that you will never get back. That's why you couldn't get married. That's why you couldn't go to somebody's funeral. That's why you can't see your family. You can't go visit your parents. That's why your grandparents can't visit their grandkids. That's why your life is ruined. Why the economy is ruined. Because 6% of the people with COVID have died. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death. That's what you know they refer to as comorbidities when you have like another underlying condition or something like that. You know, one of the things that I've learned throughout this whole ordeal is how subjective the autopsy result is or like how subjective they can make it like they can literally list like it, it's very open it's more open to interpretation than i initially thought it's not as cut and dry as you think or at least as i thought the following back to the article are the top underlying medical conditions linked with covid19 deaths influenza and pneumonia respiratory failure hypertensive disease, diabetes, vascular and unspecified dementia, cardiac arrest, heart failure, renal failure, intentional and unintentional injury, poisoning, and other adverse events, other medical conditions. That's a little vague. But here is the statement from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Since the start of the pandemic, older individuals and those with underlying conditions were considered the most vulnerable to the deadly disease, uh, deadly virus, and likely to have the most severe outcomes. Huh. Imagine that. This recently released CDC data reinforces that information. Michigan is sharing its case and death data with researchers with appropriate provisions to protect privacy to learn more about the relationship between comorbidities and COVID-19 among Michiganders. According to the CDC, 9,683 died in the United States with only having COVID-19 listed on their death certificate. 9,000, we'll round that up to 10,000. How about that? I mean, the rest of them, and if you think about the age, they were talking about how since the start of the pandemic, older individuals with underlying conditions were considered the most vulnerable. I don't know about that. I mean, once the, the numbers, we got the numbers out of New York, that became blatantly obvious. But if that was the case, why did we have to lock down the entire country? Why did all these young people have to have to stop working? Why are the schools closed? All this stuff. But literally only 10,000 people can be officially linked to dying strictly because of COVID. Now, like some people are like, well, if you have, like if you go into cardiac arrest and, and COVID-19 was the reason for that, well, then that should be considered a COVID death. Look, I don't know how you determine that COVID-19 was the was the cause of the, the heart failure or the renal failure or anything like that. But I mean, the idea that, that people... It, over the age of 60 are dying from, you know, cardiac, like are, are having heart attacks while they also have, they could be asymptomatic while they're testing positive for antibodies of COVID-19. Like old people die. They die of cardiac arrest. They die from renal failure. They die from, you know, diabetes and things like that. But I think the, the, the last number I saw was like 186,000 COVID-19 deaths, but really only 10,000 of them can be officially COVID-19 deaths. The rest of them, maybe COVID-19 played a part. Maybe it didn't. Chances are um, these people were going to die uh, anyway from their underlying condition, from their comorbidity, especially people in their 70s and 80s that have you know, a heart condition. And this is just, it's so insane to me how afraid everybody is of COVID-19 when we know that if you just have COVID-19 and none of these underlying conditions and you're under the age of like 60 or 65, your chances of dying of COVID-19 are practically zero. For all intents and purposes, it's zero, okay? Now, why are we focusing on COVID-19? Why are we focusing on a vaccine for that? You know, we're working really hard to get a vaccine that's probably never going to be effective just like the flu vaccine, like it's going to, the, if COVID-19 is here to stay, it's going to keep mutating. And that means that they just kind of guess as to which version of COVID-19 we're going to be 
get get hit with the hardest next year or whatever. So they prepare a vaccine for that. We shouldn't be focusing on COVID-19. COVID-19 is not the killer. The killer are all of these other as heart disease is diabetes. That that's what we sh- these are, you know, these are underlying conditions that are very avoidable. Okay, just stop. Put down the fucking cheeseburger. Quit double fisting cheeseburgers. Maybe get off your fucking ass and exercise a little bit. Oh, I mean, of course, they've got us locked down now. So everything that they're doing to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and failing, by the way, are going to increase the the rate that these underlying conditions <laughs> Hypertensive disease, like hypertension, not moving around. All of these underlying conditions that um, get exacerbated with uh, COVID-19 or that are, are the number one true killers of Americans because we're a bunch of fat, lazy fucking people with horrible diets. All of these are being uh, incre- the the risk is being increased and exacerbated because of these lockdowns because they're they're closing our gyms they won't let us outside we're, we're doing the exact opposite of course the government's approach to this is the exact opposite of what we should be focusing on who who cares about covid-19 focus on the underlying factors don't get diabetes okay maybe you know don't be shoving fucking sugary drinks down your gullet don't be you know, eat, eating all this garbage food, have an active lifestyle. And then if you get COVID-19, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. I mean, heart failure, failure, renal failure, those are big deals. Cardiac arrest, uh, diabetes. These, these are the things that we should be worried about. Okay. Not COVID-19. Who, who cares about that? It, it's, it's practically meaningless if you don't have one of these underlying conditions if you don't have comorbidities so take care of yourself get healthy exercise eat right and then COVID-19 is an afterthought it's the sniffles for a few days I mean come on what are we doing here and a lot of this can also be tied back to the government's uh, food pyramid that they got upside down and I've talked about that before on the show I mean literally everything they're doing is setting you up to be killed by COVID-19 or to be killed by one of these uh, underlying conditions and attributing it to COVID-19. We should be focusing on these serious diseases that are preventable and forget about COVID-19 because we're all, I mean, we're all going to get it. It's like, I mean, it is like the flu. It's going, if you live your life, you are going to get COVID-19. Okay. Uh, Who cares? Who, who cares, okay? If you don't have one of these underlying conditions and you're under the age of 65, who cares? We have to, like, the, the ways that we go about trying to prevent this are so fucking idiotic. Like I talked about on the, on the last episode, like, the dumbest thing I've ever, I think I've ever had to do in my life was walk through the entrance of a club with a mask on for 10 feet and then take it off with, you know, three, 400 other people with their masks off after those first 10 feet. And, you know, I went to a restaurant last night, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And the so I guess the rules now in Chicago, they, they keep changing the mask rules, is you're supposed, like you can, you, you wear the mask in through the restaurant and then you take it off and you start eating like with everybody. And um, the, the wait staff, of course, they all have their masks on. And when they come over to talk to you, you're supposed to put your mask back on. So when you order, you put your mask on and then you take it off. When they they walk away, they come by to fill up your water or to bring your food. You're supposed to put your mask on. So now everybody's just confused. Nobody knows what the rules are anymore. And it's not like the restaurants are enforcing that. You know, they, they don't want to make your dining experience any more miserable than it already is. And they're in no position to be turning away customers or pissing off customers because they're dying. All of these restaurants are getting crushed. So, I mean, they weren't enforcing it. This is all so fucking ridiculous. Masks are not meant to be worn like that. You're supposed to wear a mask like once. You're supposed to like wash your hands, put the mask on, wear it once, take it off, throw it away, wash your hands. That's how you're supposed to wear a mask. Like that's what makes them effective. Okay. Not like putting it on, taking it off, throw it in your pocket with your wallet, your keys, your phone and carrying it around for months on end. I mean, this is just so ridiculous. And then putting it on for the first 10 feet, you walk into a restaurant and then taking it off and putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off. This this is nonsense. 
This is nonsense. We're, we're focusing on the wrong issue. The issue are the same things that have been killing Americans by the tens of thousands for the last, you know, 50 years. And that's pneumonia, okay? That's diabetes, that's heart disease, hypertension. These are the things that we should be trying to avoid, not some virus that's going to, to make you a little sick. But anyway, I find it unbelievable that the CDC is now admitting that only 6% of the deaths can truly, honestly be attributed to COVID-19. 10,000 people. We'll round up to 10,000 for now. It, it really is just unbelievable. And and people are still, I mean, I just, today, I'm still seeing people walking around outside with their mask on by themselves. I actually feel bad for these people now. It's like I pity them. I feel so bad for all of these people that are walking around outside by themselves, away from everybody with a mask on. It, it makes no sense to me. I don't think there's any scientific data to back up doing that. If you're in like a crowded room or something, okay, that, that makes sense, I guess. Put the mask on, that would limit the, the, the transmission of the, of the virus. But the second everybody takes their mask off, th then it's over, you know? Anyway, let's take a quick little break and thank our other awesome sponsor for today's show, and I'm, I'm very excited to have them on board, and that is Photo IQ. Okay, it's a digital photography class that you can take online where photography is explained simply and concisely. There's no jargon, there's no overcomplications. It's just straightforward, easy to understand lessons for beginner and intermediate photographers for anyone over the age of uh, 13, 13 and older. It's the only photography course of its kind. He gives you graded quizzes, personal feedback, one-on-one -on -one help, and helps you build your online portfolio. It could be a great way for people to develop a, a side gig, a side hustle, get some extra income coming in, income that you could earn from anywhere in the world. You know, I'm really big on mobile income. And people are paying a fortune to go to college and, and study photography or maybe your, your school, your high school offers it. Maybe your high school's closed. Take, you could take this online course for a fraction of the cost. And if you hurry up and you buy the courses now, you will get, he's already offering 20% off all of his courses. And if you use my promo code fiction, you'll get an additional 10% off on top of that. But you got to do it before October 1st. After that, you'll just be getting the 10% off. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. You'll get 30% off. There's no subscriptions. You can buy the courses now, complete them when you want, and you have a 30-day money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose except for the terrible, pathetic photos that you've been trying to take of everything that you've been cooking during quarantine. You know who you are, all right? If you want to make stuff look good, if you have any sort of online presence, any business, it, you know, the first thing people are going to see are the pictures you're putting up there. So make sure you know how to do it right. Go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right. The other thing that I wanted to talk about on today's show is this major push. And I, I touched on this on the last episode, now that the, the poll numbers uh, have been tanking for Biden, that they, they, the Democrats have now had to come out and address all of the riots and looting that have been going on. We've seen a much bigger push from the whole Democratic establishment. Joe Biden gave a speech. It's been all over Twitter. You know, Kamala Harris is now coming out against these, uh, you know, these these violent protests. They've had to do a 180 on their position. And of course, they're trying to blame all of the violence now on Donald Trump and their their new ad campaign is like, oh, this is Trump's violent America. Do you think, do you feel safe under Trump's America with all these, this violence and this looting and these riots? It, it really is so shamelessly unbelievable. I, I just, the entire media for the last four or five months, however long these, this craziness has been going on, have been calling them mostly peaceful protests. Even up till last week, they, they were still mostly peaceful protests. They actually had that headline written while something was burning in the background. Okay, mostly peaceful protests. And all of a sudden, just like that, 
Now it's violence and it's all Trump's fault. I mean, it really just goes to show you that these politicians, they have no moral compass. They have no principles. They don't care about anything but the poll numbers, maintaining power, getting reelected. Once those polls numbers uh, poll numbers change, politicians will change their position. There's only one politician I, I can think of the great Ron Paul, who would not change his position regardless of popularity. I mean, name another one. Maybe a, a Thomas Massey, maybe Rand Paul to an extent. But I mean, it reminds me of like o Obama on, on, you know, gay marriage. 2008 Obama, 2009 Obama. I forget exactly when he his position evolved on the subject, but he was he came out against same sex marriage. He, he was talking about and Hillary Clinton, too. How marriage, he, he, you know, it was this deeply heartfelt belief that marriage was between a man and a woman. That's when the polls were like, you know, 52, 48 in favor of uh, marriage being just between a man and a woman. As soon as those poll numbers flipped, all of a sudden, magically, Barack Obama's position has evolved. And now he thinks that gay people should also be able to get married. As soon as it goes 50, 51, 49 the other way in favor of same-sex marriage, oh, now all of a sudden, look at that. He's in favor of it. Same thing with marijuana legalization. Once that became socially acceptable, once the poll numbers flipped on that, all these politicians are now, uh, marijuana's okay. Uh, we're, we're all for marijuana legalization. I don't know. It always amazes me how people can get behind those types of politicians. None of them have any principles. You never really know where they stand. You just know that whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the position they're going to take. And it's just so pathetic. And it's, I mean, it is hilarious to watch them try to flip-flop around and just hopping from one foot to the next to try to keep up with the, with the change in the culture. You know, you know, politics is downstream from culture. But anyway, Biden is, is basically, you know, threatening <laughs> voters with, with more violence now if uh, Trump gets reelected, he, he's trying to intimidate people into voting for him. You know, it, it's uh, it really says a lot of our, our sacred democracy, right? Like the whole country is going to be held hostage by these these rioters because, you know, if you want, you know, if you want safety and security, you can't you can't vote for Trump or these riots will just get worse, which, you know, they probably will. You know, I haven't decided if I want Trump to get reelected. There's a part of me that wants to see uh, like just everyone's heads fucking explode and, and people just completely lose it. There's a big part of me that wants to see that happen. There, there's another part of me that is, is uh, a little worried about what's going to happen to America if Trump gets reelected because these people are going to go batshit crazy. I do have a proclivity toward schadenfreude taking pleasure in the misery of others. Whew, man, it would be quite a, a, a thing to see that like half the country just collectively lose their minds more than they already have. Like whatever is left, it is just going to be completely gone. The, the problem is that Donald Trump getting reelected, not only does it make my job more difficult as a podcaster because I constantly have to try to convince people that he's not this unique evil, that he's he's pretty much just as bad as all the rest of these presidents we've had. Uh, but everything that he's doing to destroy the economy, to you know undermine the dollar, all of these problems are coming to a head, and we are going to face some some crazy economic hardship, the likes of which none of us have ever seen. And that's all if, if Donald Trump is in office while that happens, if Republicans are in office, then it gets blamed on free market capitalism. I mean, it's going to get blamed on that anyway, um, because Republicans preach free market capitalism, but they all practice socialism. And so all these lemmings out there who don't listen to this podcast, who don't understand that we don't have free markets, we don't have true capitalism, we have socialism, we have crony capitalism, we have a, a, an incestuous relationship between government and, and business, and that that is the driving cause of all of these problems. Since they don't understand that, but they hear Republicans talking about capitalism, well then, 
all, all of these problems, they're Donald Trump's fault, they're Republicans' fault, they're capitalism's fault. Capitalism has failed. That's probably going to be the narrative anyway uh, if Joe Biden ends up winning the presidency and shit hadn't hit the fan yet because, you know, it, it's going to be, in, unless it takes a few more years, you know, unless he gets in there and he manages to last for three years, then maybe they could, uh, they would have a harder case to make. But if it, you know, if he gets in there and like right away, the, the economy just tanks, like truly tanks in every sense of the word, then, of course, you know, it's just going to be blamed on on Trump and, and all that stuff. So it makes my job a little more difficult. The upside to a Biden getting reelected is that Republicans might act like Republicans again. And, you know, some people have made that argument. It's better to have a, a Democratic president and a Republican Congress because they they actually try to thwart some of the spending that that's been going on you know remember when obama was president and you had like the tea party movement and you had all of these republicans who were shutting down the government over uh you know raising the debt ceiling and things like that when you have republicans in congress and a republican president well then they just don't give a shit they'll, they'll raise that debt ceiling they, they don't even have a ceiling anymore they just take it away they suspend it altogether spend as much as you want as long as it's a republican doing it it's fine as long as it's on defense they don't care if they're the ones spending it it's fine but if a democrat tries to do it then all of a sudden it the debt you know the national debt's a big deal i mean if you were to tell me 10 years ago that or even like five years ago right that like the fed's balance sheet would be close to seven trillion dollars we've had to restart qe and they're not even numbering it anymore. Quantitative easing. We had one, two, and three. They didn't do four. It's just QE to you know forever, infinity. Uh, the national debt was approaching twenty-seven trillion. Right. Uh, the government's going to spend seven trillion dollars this year and take in about three in, in three trillion in taxes. If you were to tell me we had like negative interest rates around the world and that we're thinking about going to negative interest rates and we're basically at zero for 10 years. So I would have thought you were fucking crazy or, or that, you know, we would be in the greatest depression that we've ever seen. But here we are. That That's the situation we're in. And both parties have gotten us there. Uh, they, they just take turns, <laughs> you know, destroying the country for four to eight years. People act like it's no big deal. Like, it, well, it hasn't been a problem yet. So it, it must not be a problem, I guess. It's never a problem until it is. Just like with Greece and just like with, uh, you know, Venezuela, all, all of these bankrupt nations that have gone down this path. Eventually, you have that moment where the, it, the curtains pulled back, the emperor has no clothes, and all of these things that you thought weren't a problem, you, everybody wakes up one day and it's like, holy shit. We have $30 trillion in debt. Our, our debt to GDP is like 120%, right? Like we are a banana republic. That day is coming. And a Biden presidency, while it could inspire some Republicans to actually practice what they preach and, and restrain government a little bit, it's too late for that. I mean, that, that barn door, like the, the, the horses are out of the barn. Closing the door now doesn't matter. We're already like so beyond solving any of these problems, which is another reason why nobody tries to address it. But so, I mean, even if it does inspire Republicans to, to try to cut government spending, you never actually get cuts. They never materialize. And it's just it's, it's how we've gone from the smallest government in the world to the largest government in the world, despite all of the, you know, that constitution and the, all these plans of limiting government. I mean, the Biden presidency would just be just such a disaster for all of these uh, cities that I've been talking about that people are fleeing, I just saw another article today coming out of New York that, you know, people can't, you can't get movers anymore. Like there, there's, there's uh, so many people trying to move that you can't even hire. There aren't enough moving companies to move everybody. They, they can't leave these cities fast enough. New York, they're fleeing Chicago as well. California, all of these democratically run cities that have just been disastrous disastrously run the, the results have been the exact opposite of what they've set out to do you have un, like rampant homelessness in new york and california you have tent cities popping up all over california like downtown la you know they, they claim they want to help the poor and they're creating more and more poor people by the thousands and all of these cities that have been democratically run into the ground that are bankrupt 
because of their unions and, and these incestuous relationships that they have with the local governments there and all the political corruption. I think I, I just saw a buddy of mine sent me an article. There's a $1.2 billion shortfall in Chicago, uh, in Chicago's budget. All of these bankrupt cities and states w- would get bailed out by a Joe Biden presidency because they're they're Democrats and they're going to look out for one another. And that's just going to I've talked about, you know, the uh, the moral hazard of bailing out state uh, failed states, bankrupt states. It, it's the same as the moral hazard of bailing out banks and all of these companies that have acted recklessly. OK, you per, you end up perpetuating the policies that are destroying these cities. That are that are causing people to flee. Why would we want to do that? One of the uh, the other things that that really amazes me. I remember back like talking to to a lot of my friends that like hate Trump or whatever. They would always talk about how embarrassed they were that Donald Trump was our president. Like he's just so embarrassing. I can't believe that America has him as a representative on the world stage. Like what an embarrassment. This is so pathetic. These are the same people who are going to enthusiastically vote for Joe Biden as if he wouldn't be a tremendous embarrassment. I mean, this guy cannot complete a sentence, has full-blown dementia. He has no idea what day it is, where he is. He's sniffing kids. He's nose-humping kids. He's touching them inappropriately. He's a gaff machine. I mean, like, how could you not be at, at least as embarrassed with Joe Biden as you are with Donald Trump. I mean, yeah, Donald Trump like tweets a, a lot of ridiculous stuff and he says a lot of ridiculous shit. You know, I find it all hilarious. And I love the fact that he's he embarrasses people. I, I like the fact that he brings shame to the presidency. Like we, we take he he uh, he takes it down a peg or two because we, we put these politicians up on this pedestal like they're these fucking deities. And I like the fact that he really um, embarrasses that position and he brings it down to a level that just reveals how ridiculous this whole thing is. But the idea that you could support uh, Joe Biden over Donald Trump and um, you were you were saying that Trump is an embarrassment. I mean, wait till you see what Biden does if he gets in there. These um, these polls are, are looking a lot better for Trump now. So I don't think we can count him out yet. But man, if uh, if Biden gets in there, it's just going to be unbelievably hilarious. Every single day, there's going to be something. And I mean, how are they going to keep him out of the public eye then? He's going to have to give speeches and things. He's going to have to try to give us the State of the Union address. The, I guess the best news is like everything will be a lot shorter. We won't have these like two and a half hour speeches anymore. They're going to be like two and a half minutes, <laughs> 15 minute speeches with... Uh, with Joe Biden in there. And that, I mean, that's a plus as well, but man, all of the things, all the weird shit that he's doing, he's sucking on his wife's finger. He's, you know, talking about kids jumping on his lap and rubbing his leg hair. Like this, this is just going to be hilarious. And yeah, it, it probably pretty embarrassing to have him on the, on the world stage trying to negotiate all of these treaty deals and, and handling our being the commander in chief of the world's largest, most powerful military. And that's Joe Biden. The, the guy that can't remember what he had for breakfast today is going to have his fingers on the nuclear coat on the nuclear uh, button. All right. Uh, it's just the, the, the cognitive dissonance here is just so unbelievable to me. I, I just don't understand how people don't at least question the whole system at this point, like how have you not been red pilled yet? As you look around all of these um, demo- democratically run cities that have just been run into the ground, people are fleeing faster than, you know, <laughs> they can uh, produce trucks to move them. Doesn't that make you at least question your politics, your voting decisions? It should. It should. If it doesn't, if you still believe that these democratically, uh, these Democrat policies uh, are uh, are the way to go, but you look around and you take an honest assessment of their of their track record. How could you not possibly at least just maybe question whether or not there's a better way? Because what California has done that's destroyed California, exploded with homelessness and poverty. The the policies that they've done, if they don't work on a small scale, but those are the policies that you want to enact at the federal level on a large scale. You're just going to have a larger disaster. It's going to it's going to do it to all 50 states instead of just the one, you know, retarded California. If it doesn't work on a small scale, it's not going to work on a large scale. 
and nowhere. You can't point to one example of any of these uh, Democratic successes. It's impossible. And then, of course, if you're in one of these, you know, if you're a Republican and you're looking at all these Republican governors or whatever, their states might be in, in better shape, but they're, the country the, uh, under Republican control has been a complete disaster. How do you not question that? How do you not question, like I talk about $27 trillion in, in debt, in national debt? Hundreds of trillions in unfunded liabilities. A doubling of the national debt every time a Republican gets into office. We all have to take a look in the mirror. Stop trying to blame the other side. Because both sides have, have plenty of blame to go around. And as I talked about on previous episodes, how they doing so far. I mean, look at the results of Democrat policies in these democratically run cities that are that Donald Trump is correctly pointing out are complete disasters and look at the results when you have Republicans in control of the federal government. I mean, how could anybody in their right mind take a look at where we are right now as a nation and think that, yep, these guys are doing a pretty good job. These are more of the policies that we need. I mean, don't you think if, if uh, Democrats or Republicans had solutions to any of these problems, we would have solved at least one of them by now, not made everything just a thousand times worse. Everything's worse than when it is. And every year they, they talk about all these problems we have as if they came out of nowhere. These are all government-created problems. They're all a result of government getting too big, spending too much, having too much control, too much power, too much involvement in our lives. And then and their, their prescription to solve all these problems that they haven't been able to solve is to do more of what's creating the problems in the first place. It's always more government, more of this, more of that. They should be embarrassed to mention all the problems that we have because they're all their fault. They act as if the, you know these, these problems just magically appeared or you know, it was the Republicans' fault or it was the Democrats' fault. Ah, yeah, it, it's both of them. And all these guys have been in there for like 50 years. All the ones who are in control, who have been making these policy decisions, are older than dirt. These lifetime politicians. These are all problems of their own making. That's what's so unbelievable. And they're all the same. They're the same. There's no difference. There's, there's, For all intents and purposes, there is no difference between Democrats and Republicans. Look at the policies they're proposing. Look at their budgets. They all do the same thing. Just Republicans want a little less socialism than the Democrats. And that's about it. Democrats want to spend, you know, $3.6 trillion on something. Republicans only want to spend $1 trillion on that same stuff. But the principles, the idea that government is here to provide you with things, to steal from some people and give to others, to take care of you from cradle to grave, that idea is present in both parties. And it's what is going to eventually bring about the downfall of a once great, rugged, individualistic America that had limited government with few and defined powers. We now have unlimited government with unlimited and undefined powers. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They can shut down the economy. They can tell you that you can't go to work. They can force you to stay in your house. They can, uh, I have an article here that I didn't get to, the CDC, I wanted to talk about this, but I'm running a little long here. Maybe I'll save it for a, another day, but the, oh, I guess I can go through it real quick. The CDC is, is basically canceling a bunch of private contracts between landlords and tenants. The, the CDC, the, the Center for Disease Control, intends to curtail evictions until at least the end of the year. They just declared it. They just made, made it a declaration. I don't know where they think they got the authority to do that. At least the, the moratorium that they talked about or that we've had on evictions so far, at least Congress uh, at least had to pass legislation for that, even though it's unconstitutional, and they don't have the authority to do it either. But they did it, of course. But the CDC now is, is just going to say that uh, you don't you don't have to pay your rent anymore, and it's not just like federally backed rents, uh, rentals and mortgages or anything like that. It's all of them. It's it's private contracts between two free Americans, and they're just going to cancel it. They're just going to start canceling contracts, contracts, private property, private uh, agreements between people. The bedrock of civilization. They're just going to cancel it. Not even elected officials. Just a you know one of these unelected bureaucrats. One of these divisions. For uh, the Center for Disease Control can just decide that you don't have to pay your rent anymore. This is insane. This is insane. Who would have thought that we could create a bureaucracy that has nothing to do with housing whatsoever, and they can just make housing, they could just pass housing legislation by fiat? This is incredible. And the effects of this, I mean, people think 
that landlords just like own these buildings and they're just sitting they're just sitting at home collecting rent checks and and you know like wearing their monocle and twisting their mustache or whatever rolling around in the dough these people don't own most landlords don't own these buildings outright they have mortgages they have huge mortgages that they pay every month on just like uh, I have a mortgage here that I pay on right they, they use that rental income to pay the mortgage obviously they make extra money right they make more than just the pay than what they need to pay the mortgage but all of these mortgages don't forget are in uh, they're all securitized they're all packaged up they're they're bundled together and they're sold throughout the market of course i i saw i think it was a tweet from peter schiff that said the the federal reserve now owns a third of all mortgage backed securities but that's what mortgage-backed securities are. They're securitized mortgages that these landlords are paying into. So when the rent stops coming in to the landlord, the landlord stops making their mortgage payments, these mortgage-backed securities fail. We know what happened the last time those securities failed. And that's just you know one of the many things that's wrong with uh, this idea of canceling rent, right? They could stop making their property tax payments because they don't have the rental income. And you're going to have a housing shortage. Like nobody, who's going to become a landlord and have tenants that don't have to pay rent? Who, who's going to do that? How is your landlord going to make repairs to your place if something breaks, if the furnace breaks or the dishwasher breaks or you have a, a leaky sink or the, the toilet breaks? How are they going to make any repairs if, they're, if you're not paying the rent? They're not going to do that. So everyone's place is just going to become a dilapidated piece of shit. The deal is you pay your rent and then when something goes wrong with the place, it's the landlord's obligation to fix it as quickly as possible. You break your end of the bargain, they're not going to hold up theirs. So the whole thing just collapses. You're going to have people without heat, without electricity, without running water, all kinds of fucking problems. Without hot water. And if you're going to say that the government is going to force these landlords to provide these basic necessities and services to people who aren't paying their rent, who broke their contract, well, now you're just talking about enslaving people. You're talking about enslaving people to provide you with uh, all of the amenities that come with modern day living, right? You're, you're just enslaving people. You're going to give government the right to enslave supposedly free people. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, What do they think is going to happen as a result of this? And where do they get the balls to do it? Anyway, I'm going to wrap there for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard today, do me a favor. Give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction and support our sponsors. We got great sponsors for the show. I, I'm constantly looking for more. So if you, if you know anybody or if you yourself want to want to become a sponsor, hit me up, pedaling at pedalingfictionpodcast.com. Get some coffee, learn some photography, go watch Navy SEAL, Target of Opportunity, that, that one of our listeners put together, that documentary. And if you don't like any of those sponsors, until I get some new ones that you do like you can donate to the show by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and support the show that way every dollar that you donate goes right back into the show to help deliver content and increase my reach and if you guys can do all that for me i will be back on labor day with a brand new episode for you and ask me anything the first ask me anything of the peddling fiction podcast so make sure you go Get into the private Facebook group so you can get your question heard on the air. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.